<laughs> Praise God. I, I haven't listened to the recording yet, but I heard Miss Rhonda tore it up up in here. Amen, as usual. Excited uh, about hearing the testimonies of uh, Sunday. And, um, of course, we had great revival meetings. Man, I saw some people I hadn't seen in years in these revival meetings. Pastors that we hadn't, but we hadn't talked to them and or seen them for a long, long time. And uh, they, we didn't even invite, I mean, we invited everybody in town, but we didn't directly invite them to come. And they all came the same day. We had seven pastors there, seven pastors there one night. Seven pastors in, t in defiance, in a town called Defiance. I mean, already they got to say I'm from Defiance. So, uh, you know, they was, they was, they was fighting to be in Defiant. But anyway, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where did we go, Mama, that the town was actually called Hell? Was it in the Florida Keys? Yeah, they got a town in the Florida Keys called Hell. And we went and visited. It was, it, it was crazy. I that from then on, I told everybody, this woman has taken me to hell and back. And they thought I was cursing, but I wasn't. It was, we, we actually went. I think we may have gotten some, you know, trinkets that, you know, I mean, I think that's their claim to fame. So people go there and they buy little things, you know, keychains and magnets. I've been to hell, you know, but anyway, uh, it's kind of stupid. Uh, praise the Lord. Brandes, good to see you, buddy. Praise the Lord. All right. We've been talking about, um, We've been talking about supernatural increase. How many of y'all been receiving something in these, uh, have, has been helping y'all? I know that uh, I've certainly had, had a, I, of course, I always enjoy pre preaching or teaching the word, um, but I'm, I get super excited when I know the Lord has led us in a certain direction and, um, and we're going in the direction that the Lord has led us um, concerning a, a particular topic and I know the Holy Spirit is really on it. So um, I was able to, uh, you know, uh, one night out in Ohio, man, the Holy Ghost, or was it? No, it wasn't on Sunday morning. The Spirit of the Lord got on me in Ohio, and I shared a little bit concerning supernatural increase. But, <clears throat> of course, we're, we're, uh, we've jumped in here real good. Melody, hello. Yeah, you're, you're, it's all good. Everybody can come through here. It's not a, um, it's not a big deal. It's not too awfully distracting. Not at all, really. But anyway, so uh, any you guys have any questions in regards to any of the things that we've talked about so far? I know that uh, some of the things that we've talked about, we've, uh, I've, I've kind of been trying to take uh, as much time as I need to to, um, to go over some of these things in a way that I don't typically go over them with, you know, with everybody, uh, with everybody else. Um, like during revival meetings or whatever. But I also am trying to bring out some of the points that I do bring up in um, revival meetings because I was doing the last year, I did a whole thing on um, supernatural increase on Sundays, but I wasn't talking anything about the stuff that people expected me to, which, you know, kind of tied it in with what it has to do with uh, money. And, uh, but anyway, 
any uh, any questions? Uh, sure, Brandon. Thank you, Ms. Aylin. Um, so, is there a relation, or what is the relation between supernatural increase and stewardship? <clears throat> well, there's a uh, the relationship between there, there's a. The, the relationship between stewardship and supernatural increase is, uh, it's, it's vital. I mean, it's, it's an extremely important uh, relationship. And so, um, someone want to, uh, someone want to uh, read the definition of stewardship uh, or, or give us a, oh, here, I'll look at it. Stewardship, I'll give you what the, um, the dictionary says. Uh, is the um, definition of stewardship. stewardship. I know what I'm just trying to get you to go to. The... All right, there you go. <laughs> I know how to pronounce it. I'm not an idiot. <clears throat> um, oh, there it is. Okay, finally. Um, the job of supervising or taking care of something such as an organization or property, a responsible stewardship of our uh, public lands is an example of it being used in a sentence. So stewardship is the job of supervising or taking care of something. Um, so when we talk about stewarding finances and stewarding uh, our finances uh, in, a, in a way that's pleasing to the Lord, one of the things that... Um, one of the things that I feel like people do when it, uh, in church when it comes to this, and this was something that I was going to bring out last time, so I'm glad that you said it because I felt like it needed to be said. Some people, when, we, when you start talking about supernatural increase and God's blessing in the area of finance, some people get this idea that, well, you know, I'm going to get my faith out there and I'm going to go buy me a $1,000 suit and bless God, I ain't gonna, I'm never going to be broke another day in my life and I'm a king's kid and I'm going to dress like a king's kid. And they, they, they go and they uh, get themselves out there financially and some people, they do that and they get themselves into debt doing it. They think that somehow or another that they're doing what's pleasing to the Lord or, you know, they'll try to, I, I heard... Uh, who was it that said that? I don't remember who said it, but they said there's some people that are trying to get a Rolls Royce on Volkswagen Faith. And so some people, they'll, you know, they, they got Volkswagen Faith and they're trying to get a Rolls Royce. Now, they might get a Rolls Royce, but they're not going to keep a Rolls Royce. And see, that's, that's the thing is sometimes your faith, you may have the faith to get you something. You may not have the faith to keep it. And so you, you have to determine where your faith is at. Uh, you have to be a good steward with what God entrusts you with. Because if you get out there and you get yourself uh, what the world will call overextended, or if you get out there and live beyond you, I don't, supernatural increase isn't living beyond your means. So for example, you know, if I, you know, um, I'm not going to get myself in so much debt that I'm living from paycheck to paycheck. That's just not, it's not wise to live that way. And I wouldn't really be stewarding right, rightly what the Lord 
has entrusted me with. Because the word says this. The word says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. Well, you can't really seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness with your finances when you don't have anything to commit to the kingdom. So what a lot of times what happens is people will get their faith over there. They'll start believing God for more. Keith Moore talked about this. Start believing God for more. God will bring them into a, a greater measure of a blessing in the area of finance. And instead of people seeing it as an opportunity to pour uh, into the kingdom, they just see it as an opportunity to elevate their lifestyle. And so they elevate their lifestyle. They get a nicer car, live in a nicer house. Uh, that, but those are the things that have been ingrained in us by our parents, you know, by our grandparents. You need to do better so you can have more than we have, so you can live in a better place than we lived. Uh, when, you, when you've been grown up around a poverty mentality, that's a poverty mentality. You need to earn more so you can spend more. What that does is that ends up putting you in the same place as your parents and your grandparents were. You're just, you just got more stuff, but you're living the same kind of lifestyle. Um, there's a difference between being rich and having wealth. You can be rich and not be building wealth. Are y'all hearing any of this? And so, um, so yeah, stewardship, that, that's where stewardship comes in. Um, we've got to inquire of the Lord and really be obedient to God when it comes to um, how we live. You know, just because you can buy something doesn't mean you should. I'm, and, I, and I know that many people aren't at this place, but you ought, to really, you ought to really pray about and really go before the Lord about things that you're going to purchase, where you're going to spend your money. Um, you, you ought to have some kind of plan mapped. I know Oral Roberts said that the Lord had spoken to him and told him, not only do you need to tithe to me, he said, but you need to tithe to yourself. So the Lord told him, he said, 10% goes to the king, you know, to, to me. And he said, and then you need to sow 10% into, into you. And so 10% to put back, that, that doesn't go to expenses or to bills or whatnot. That's just money that you're going to put back <clears throat> and you're going to let it sit and you're going to either allow me to, you know, speak to you about that money or uh, it's just going to be money that you put back for yourself. That's a, and I mean, nowadays you got to put more. I, th I think you could even put more or should plan on putting more back than that. But um, so um, <clears throat> I think that um, the word teaches us that we need to be uh, responsible. Um, God, God is responsible. God is a God of his word. We shouldn't obligate ourselves to things that we're not certain that we can um, commit to. I know sometimes circumstances and things happen that are, we don't, we don't uh, foresee. And uh, we may be living within our means and then have something happen in the natural that, is, um, uh, that puts us in a bad way. And so that's when we know that we can trust that the Lord will bring us out. You know, we, this didn't come because I was being stupid. This didn't come because I got myself overextended, because I was living beyond my means, because I exceeded um, uh, what I needed to be spending. In fact, that's one of the, uh, one of the qualifications were for supernatural increase is this. You can't spend, don't, you got, you got to resist the temptation of spending more than what you have. Uh, you've got to live within your, your means. And so, um, <clears throat> I don't know if there's a whole lot more I could say about that. You know, stewardship goes, goes uh, with um, being a tither and an offering giver. 
because uh, if we're going to be good stewards with what God gave us, then the very least God asks us to do is be tithers and offering givers. And But it also... Uh, stewardship when it comes to what we've obligated ourselves to men. If you signed up for a credit card, it came with an agreement. Um, God expects you to, I know most of us don't read those agreements, but you should <laughs> and know what you're obligating yourself to uh, because you don't want to find yourself in a place where you're upset because you thought it was one way, turns out it was another, but you've obligated yourself to, I mean, you indentured yourself uh, to, to doing uh, what this agreement was. Um, so any loan, if you, uh, you know, as long as you're not in default, uh, Fred Price believes you're not even in debt when you're not in default. If you're paying for a loan, uh, if you got a loan, as long as you're paid up on that loan and you're not in default, you're not in debt because you don't owe, you don't owe them nothing until the next month. But the minute you go beyond that, now I'm not saying I agree with this, but this is how Fred Price thought. He said, as long as you can pay that debt uh, by according to the, what you obligated yourself to, then you're never, <clears throat> then you're never really indebted or indentured. You're, you're being a good steward because you determined what you could, you know, what you could put your faith on. Fred Price said uh, in an early one, in one of his early teachings, he was talking about, you know, Brother Copeland, he, Brother Copeland believes we shouldn't have any debt. We shouldn't owe no man nothing. You shouldn't borrow money for a car. You shouldn't borrow money for a house. You shouldn't uh, put anything on a credit card. Everything should be done on a cash basis. To him, that's being a good steward. So you can tell some, for some people, stewardship is very different. Fred Price said that um, the way that he saw it was that uh, he was looking at a house, and the house was... Get this. You, this will tell you how far back this was. The house was $35,000. And it was in a nicer neighborhood than he had ever lived in. In fact, he talked about it like it was he was living in Bel Air. You know? I mean, it was just like this was the fanciest place he had ever lived in. 35 k <laughs> And he said, um, <clears throat> he said, you know, he was praying about it. And he knew that he could get his faith out there for the payment on a house that cost $35,000. He knew that his faith could produce that amount of money every month. He had proven his faith to be able to do that. So um, he said, now, he said, if I had waited and said, no, I'm not going to buy that house until the Lord sends me all the money. He said, well, you know, when uh, he said price, price uh, houses appreciate, real estate will appreciate over a period of time. He said, some, some people, by the time they got you know, their faith up there to believe God for $35,000. He said he could believe God for eight, eight or $900, whatever the, you know, whatever the payment was going to be. He said $35,000 was going to take some development of his faith. So by the time he got his faith up to where he had got $35,000, he said that house now may be $50,000, $60,000. Now he's got to develop his faith for 60 K. Well, by the time he develops his faith for 60 K, it might be 80 K. So he. Develop, he said, you might get yourself caught in a cycle of always trying to develop your faith for something more. He said, but I can believe God for six or eight or whatever it was. I can't remember how much it was a month. He said, I could put my faith on that much a month. He said, and so I could develop my faith while, he said, 
to get to 1,000 or 2,000 maybe in a, in, a, in a year's time. He said, well, if I get my faith on 2,000 a month, I can just take, put that $2,000 into my house, pay it off early. And he said, and that's exactly what happened. Me and my wife bought that house for $35,000. We paid it off in two years, he said. And he said, and they, I think they were just in that moment moving into another house that he said cost more than double what that house was. And I mean, must have been a mega mansion because the one he was in was pretty nice for 35K. So for 70K, you know, he said, but, my, but I developed my faith and I worked my faith. He says, we'll pay that one off. And I'm sure that that was how he continued to do throughout his, uh, so for Fred Price, that was being a good steward with what God gave him. See, you have to determine uh, what the Lord is telling you and how stu what stewardship looks like to you. And then we have to be careful that we don't try to condemn anybody else for having a different view or a different idea of the Lord doing differently with them. There are some things that we know are, are God, godly principles. You know, according to Scripture, borrowing is not wrong. As long as you pay it back. As long as you meet your obligation. God's a God of His Word. He expects you to believe be, to be a person of your Word. When you start breaking your Word, that becomes unpleasing to the Lord and then you're not really uh, good on, on with stewardship. Um, if you try to obligate yourself to something by faith, I'm just going to trust God that he's going to give me the $1,000 a month that I need to pay for a car that I really can't afford. That I know good and well that I hadn't got my, my, my faith ain't built up to, to my, my faith was barely built up to maintain the car that I had. Now I'm going into another car because I'm like, bless God, I'm a king's kid and I ought to be driving something better. Um, well, you're a king's kid, and you ought, to be, you ought to be doing what you can in the moment with whatever faith you've, you have and whatever faith you've developed. And until you develop your faith beyond that point, then uh, you'd be wise to stay within the, the boundaries of what you know your faith is capable of doing. Does that, does that make sense? Did that answer your question? So it is. It's important. How can the Lord trust you? How can the Lord trust you to do what's right? Uh, or how can you expect the Lord to bless you with more when he can't trust you to do what's right with what you've had or what you, what you currently have or what he entrusts you with in the beginning? That's why, you know, Deuteronomy, go to the book of Deuteronomy 8, and we'll read a verse of scripture here that will go along with this. <clears throat> Usually we read Deuteronomy 8, 1, and that's all we read. But Deuteronomy 8 is a very good passage of Scripture. Now I've had people send me, because I, I usually read Deuteronomy 8.1 and Deuteronomy 8.18, and I don't read what's in between. I've gotten hate mail over the years from people telling me, you don't read the rest of that. I, know, I said, no, I read the rest of it, but I read to you, what you what's important for you to hear because it's the part that you don't really hear. So Deuteronomy 8, 1 says, All the commandments which I command you this day, so you observe to do that you may live, multiply, go in and possess the land that the Lord swear unto your father, which is one of our foundational scriptures. Now the next verse. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee, or in other words, to test thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And so <clears throat> Deuteronomy Excuse me. Deuteronomy 8 goes on to tell about this whole experience that the children of Israel had going in uh, into the wilderness. 
He says, he says, remember all the ways that the Lord led you. For, for 40 years, they were in the wilderness <clears throat> uh, trying to get to the promised land. And here's what the Bible says uh, happened during those 40 years. Uh, it was a process of humiliation. <laughs> um, to, it was a testing, a time of testing. And so here's what you have to know. When you begin to pursue God for the fulfillment of his promises in your life, there will be tests. You know what? When you chose, when you chose to yield to the Holy Spirit concerning salvation, immediately following, there were tests. The devil comes immediately to try to steal the word. No matter what word it is that we believe in this book, the devil will come immediately to try to steal the word. And you know what? Those, those times are times of testing to prove. And, and that word prove, I think that's a good word here because we don't use that word much in our day. We, we just call it testing. But a, what a test does is it proves what you have learned. The test isn't designed to teach you anything. When you, when you take a test, when, when a teacher gives a test, the test isn't for teaching. The test is for determining what you learned in the process. And so uh, when a test comes, it will, it will reveal what you picked up along the way, what you, what you, uh, what you learned in the process to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandment. So what was revealed in the children of Israel when they went through this proving, when they went through this wilderness, it, it determined um, what was in their heart. You know what? They found out what was in their heart. How many of you know God already knows what's in your heart? Oh, yeah. But see, sometimes what's in our heart isn't revealed until we go through the test. See, some of you, some of you trying to pass the test before you even learn the lesson. And there's a lot of people, they're like, well, you know what, I don't, I'm not concerned about money. I don't really want any of that. I don't really need any of that. I'm just happy to serve the Lord. No, listen, you need for God to give you a little something so that you'll, so that you'll know what's in your heart, so that you know how you'll react to what. Just like, just like I think all of us at some point or another are going to go through times where we, um, where the Bible says, um, um, but what Paul said to the Philippian church, he said, I, both, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. You need to know what you're going to do when you're abased and you need to know what you're going to do when you abound. You know what? Some of you may throw your, throw your head back and look down your nose at people when God blesses you with a little bit of something. And some of you might think, well, I failed the test. Well, yeah, you may have, but you know what? You can learn something from that. But you're never going to learn the lessons of prosperity until you're prosperous. You're never going to work out in you what needs to be worked out until you get to that place where you experience it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Amen. Amen. <clears throat> he says, whether thou wouldst keep his commandments or no, and to humble thee. And, uh, suf and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not. Neither did thy fathers know. So, so he said when, when uh, they were going through the wilderness, uh, they suffered hunger, but God fed them manna. God gave them spirit. In other words, they weren't the supplier of their needs. God became the, su the supplier of their needs. Isn't that great? 
that God, now listen, it wasn't great. The children, God was supplying the needs of the children of Israel and the children of Israel were angry about it. They became, they, they, they were complaining because all they had to eat was manna. <laughs> Here God was feeding them every day. And instead of being, you know, rejoicing about it and saying, Lord, you're, you're, you're the supplier of everything that we have need of. Uh, you, he, his, uh, uh, he was, you know, uh, I think um, looking at that Lord's prayer, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I, I shall not want. He, or, uh, not, that's not at the Lord's prayer. Uh, <laughs> I was, my, the hard drive is still driving. Uh, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Do you know what that, you know what that scripture translates to? Give us this day our daily bread. Give us today tomorrow's bread for today. In other words, Lord, supply what we have need of. Not, we're not trying to live off of what we can do to earn this or to make it ourselves, but we're relying on your provision. What you have provided for us tomorrow, bring it to us today so that we're relying upon you and not relying upon ourselves. I mean, that's the whole gist of that verse of scripture. And that's what the Lord was trying to teach these folks in the wilderness. Now, see, that, that all sounds good because you're like, ooh, supernatural increase. Yeah, but when you're relying upon the Lord to supply and you're no longer relying upon yourself, that's going to mess with you. Right. That, that, can, that can introduce a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress, a lot of questioning, a lot of uh, trying to figure out direction. You know, Cherie and I were talking um, here recently, had to be on this. Um, yeah, it was this last trip. We were going to lunch and uh, we, we were uh, going to meet uh, some pastors at, um, I think it was the, uh, uh, it was a restaurant that we, we, uh, that we go to when we go to Ohio. And as we were pulling out of the hotel, we saw a restaurant called Captain D's. Anybody know better to Captain D's? It's uh, the uh, northern version of Long John Silver's. Not near as good, but anyway, um, Captain D's, it's a fish, you know, fast food fish place. And she said, hey, that's the, remember that, Captain? That's the first place where we met, uh, where when we uh, had lunch with Pastor Pete, that's where we met him at, was at Captain D's. And I was like, I think I've only been there once, maybe twice. And so I asked her about certain people that had been there, and she's like, no, nah, wasn't that just, so we've established that I was at least there twice. And there's reason, because I don't really like Captain D's. So... I only went there, went there twice, but when we were talking, as Cherie was, we were talking about the pastors and uh, meeting, meeting up with them and, and how long it had been and what the Lord had done in the number of years. Then Cherie, as we're getting out of the car at the restaurant we were at, she says, man, back then when we went to Captain D's, you know, she said, I just remember that being a time where I thought you know, she said she was talking about wanting to be in revival. Now that when we went to Richmond, that she wished that she had been in Richmond, because when we were in Richmond, I told her that was one of the most significant revivals that we had had, and she was like, it was like totally not on my radar. And here's the reason why. Get this: the reason why it wasn't on Cherie's radar is because she couldn't conceive the thought of being able to take time off of what she was doing in her life to go to revival. And so she never even thought about 
what the significance of that revival, what God was doing in that. All she could think of when she heard that I was in revival over there was, well, it's not around here, so I definitely can't go. There's no way I can go. I cannot go to revival because of this, 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 and this, much of which have to do with finance. See, we, we, we don't really realize how encumbered we become when it comes to money and how indentured we are. Y'all know what the word indentured means. You mean indebted to. How indentured we are to our jobs. Listen, some of y'all that, some of y'all, listen, it's good to, it's good to serve uh, and to do your job as doing it unto the Lord. But when you, when you're indentured to that job and it takes, it takes, uh, um, a higher place than the Lord, a higher place than your family, a higher place than your health. When it starts to take that higher, when, when, you're, when you're so indentured to a job that you will go when it's, when, when it's uh, causing you uh, to be ill. Or, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, you got a problem that something has gotten out of whack. And see, that's, that's why the Lord said that the children of Israel went through that 40 years in the wilderness to test, to prove. See, uh, we, some of us don't want to go through the test. Let me tell you something. You want to go through the test. Whatever is in there, you want it to come out. You want to figure out what it's going to take for you to walk in that place. You want to go through those testings of, your, of the stewardship and, and, and how God is entrusting you with what it is that belongs to you. And no, it's not, you know, supernatural increase. If supernatural increase was God just pulling a dump truck up out here in front of Winter's Church and dumping out $100 bills, you know, three dump load trucks, uh, dump, dump trucks full uh, of uh, $100 bills, you know, everybody be like, I'm in. But you know what? You know what supernatural increase is? Not taking a coat, not taking a wallet, not taking a staff, not taking another shirt, not taking another pair of shoes, going, not taking none of that stuff with you, trusting that he's going to supply everything that you have need of according to his riches and glory and going from place to place, trusting that he's going to supply your need. Amen. Now, again, that doesn't mean, well, bless God, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to, I'm just going to trust the Lord. That's not what, that's not what this is either. It means following the leading of uh, God's spirit, uh, doing what the Lord commands you to do. Go ahead, man. Praise God. All right. It says, he humbled thee, suffered thee to hunger, fed thee with manna, which thou uh, knewest not, neither did your fathers know it, that he might make thee known that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word which proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Amen. That, uh, doth man live. Uh, thy raiment wax not old upon thee, neither did thy foot. See, some, some people are like, Lord, I'm trusting you for a $1,000 suit. Here's what you need to trust God for first. Lord, I'm trusting you that what I have ain't going to wear out. Lord, that I'm going to get to keep it as long as I need to have it. Lord, that it's going to look good and it's going to last. My car's going to, you know, some people are like, I got $100,000 miles on my car. And, and you know what? I'm believing God for a Rolls Royce. Now, listen, here's what you need to believe first. That uh, your car is going to go farther than anybody else's car. It's going to burn less oil than anybody else's car burns. Your tires are going to last longer. Your brakes are going to last longer. Uh, your gas is going to take you farther. <clears throat> Amen. And you're going to develop your faith. 
You're going to develop your faith. And you know what? The first car you're going to buy isn't going to be, uh, uh, again, you got to... We, I talk about BMW when first time we saw BMW and I was like, that's my car, the big Mexican's wheels. And, and Annie's like, uh, I said, my name's on it, the big Mexican's wheels. She's like, what about my name? I said, it's your name too, the beautiful Mexican woman. I said, that's our car. I started talking that. Well, you know what we were driving at the time? At the time we were driving around in a, 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 a Daihatsu. A three-cylinder, you know, it's, it's, it was basically the smart car of our generation. It's a three-cylinder Japanese car uh, that uh, um, if you got it to 55 miles an hour, you were lucky. And, and if, you, if you had a lot of downhill, that was when it really shined because that's the only time you could get it above 70. Uh, I mean, it was just a piece of junk. It was a, a disposable car. But that's, you know, that's what we had. That was where we were at in our walk while we're believing God for BMW. You know what? We went from that to a, a Grand Am. Then we lost the Grand Am in repossession. So our, you know, our faith got us a Grand Am. Our faith didn't allow us to keep a Grand Am. We were working that out. They came away. I remember when they came to get it and tow it away. I went out there. I was like, hey, what are y'all doing? They're like, we're, we're coming to you. Don't try to stop us. I'm like, oh, no, I ain't stopping you. Please take it. They're like, you're behind. I said, I know I'm behind. They're like, well, since you're letting us haul it out of here, do you have the keys? I said, yeah, I'll be back. Just, I went and got the keys. I gave him the keys. They were tickled pink. He started to get in the car. I said, oh, it don't start. <laughs> I said, it don't run. I said, you're going to have to hook it up. I mean, it's, that's a part of the problem is that we, we couldn't pay to repair it and make a payment on it. See, but that's not something that we anticipate. We were working it out. We, at that time, we weren't tithers and offering givers. So we went from having a grand am, getting a repossession, and now we're at the buy here, pay here. So we, or no, not yet. We weren't at buy here, pay here yet. Uh, my my uh, stepfather, who was a uh, Persian, uh, Abdul Reza Rachnieh, was uh, like many Persians at that time, he, he'd flip cars. And so he just happened to have gotten a white Honda Civic hatchback uh, that he was selling. Thing was in pretty terrible shape. But we purchased it as a manual transmission, and we bought it from him for maybe five or $600. And we drove that around for a period of uh, for a period of time. And then um, uh, we, that's the car that we had our uh, uh, accident in. That was the car that we wrecked uh, where you went into the windscreen. Uh, Ted was in the back seat, if you can imagine that, of a hatchback Honda Civic. I hope I'm not giving you too much information. I just want you to know the process. So by the time we're in that Honda, we're believing God for supernatural increase. But you know what? Not one time during that time that we were calling in BMW did I think we were going to go from that Honda to a BMW. I knew good and well my faith couldn't. Listen, my faith, my faith couldn't pay for the repairs on the cars that I had. And so I had to work within the uh, boundaries of, of where my faith was, was, had me at. And so that we wrecked, and, and uh, then we, uh, I think then we went to a buy here, a pay here, and we... Uh, had a Honda, um, another Honda Civic that was a blue one. We paid way too much money for it, and uh, we, but you had, we had to. We had no, we had no credit. We we were uh, they had it. My, they had my picture at the credit bureau. Don't loan this man money, 
and uh, uh, the bank wouldn't give us a checking account. We were so bad with our finances. We were not good stewards. We couldn't expect the Lord. Listen, church, if you have, if you got 10 repossessions, if you've got seven foreclosures, if you've been evicted from every house you've ever been in, if you got, if you got these things happening in your life, um, you, you, have to, you have to adjust your level of expectation about what the Lord's going to trust you with. If you're afraid to go and see your family because of how much money you owe them, if you don't visit your family because you can't face them because you owe them money, you, got, you have a steward. There's a problem with stewardship. You, you got to learn something about stewardship. Stewardship isn't only uh, what you're looking out for between you and God. It's what you're looking out for, what you've, the agreements you've made between you and man, you and others. Anybody hearing me? One of the things that impressed me about Pastor Hans was one time he called me and they were in a little bit of a financial pickle. And um, I won't get into it. It's his personal business. But circumstances were he wasn't going to be able to feed his family. He couldn't access money that he had in the bank. And he was getting money in the mail. And he was like, well, Pastor, I'm calling you. He said that you're my last resort. I'm getting X amount of dollars. And it was, maybe it was a little over $1,000, if I, if I remember right, maybe $1,500. It wasn't a whole lot of money, but, you know, it was over $1,000. And he said, Pastor, and he, I mean, this is the first time Hans has ever called me by anything like this. He's like, uh, I'm in a bit of a pinch, and I, j I know that the church don't give money to nobody. He said, but I was just wondering if you would personally loan me this money. He said, I will pay you back on Friday. I will pay you back on Friday. Um, I just don't, I don't know how I'm going to take care of my family for the next uh, several days. This was on like a Saturday or, or something, something, something of that nature. And so I was like, Hans, meet me, in, meet me at the airport at Guthrie. I'm going to be at the, I'm going to go, with, I'm going to be flying today. I'm going to land. I'm going to have some money for you. Meet me at the airport and uh, I'm going to give it to you. And he said, Pastor, I swear I will have it to you. I said, Hans, just bring yourself to the airport. Because here's the thing. If I loan you money already, I'm not expecting it back. You know why? Because I'm not, I'm, I'm, if, I'm gonna, if, if, I can, if I can give it to you, you're going to get it. But if you, if you borrowed it, you, you obligated yourself to something. Now, if you never give it to me, I'm never going to think about it. In fact, there have been people that gave me money that they owed me that I had forgotten all about. I was like, what's this for? They're like, remember, you, we, we owed you this. I'd be like, no, but hey, praise God, you know. Uh, Annie's always happy about it because it's, you know, uh, extra money. And she started looking at her nails. Hey, I think I need to go. <laughs> but anyhow, this, this, this is what... This is what elevates the character, the integrity of a man. What, what elevates the integrity and the character of an individual? What, if, if, if this, think about this. If what Hans did could make that kind of an impact on me, imagine the kind of impact we have on God when we're people of our word. So I took Hans that money and right there at the airplane, he's like, Pastor, I swear. I said, Hans, don't say another word. I've given you the money. You don't have to swear nothing to me. I said, feed your family and don't 
be anxious about it. Nothing like that. Do you know Friday morning at 7 a.m., he called me on the phone. He's like, Pastor, I know you don't like getting phone calls early. He said, but I hate, I hate having obligations that I've made hanging over my head. He said, I've got this money. Tell me where you're at so I can bring it to you at some time today. I don't have to bring, I'd prefer to bring it now just to alleviate myself of the burden. And I think we met, I don't even think we met that day. I think I told him, Hans, just keep it till Sunday. And on that, uh, I, well, he didn't take that. He wouldn't do that. Uh, he, he, he ended up meeting me uh, Friday afternoon and he gave me that money and he said, Pastor, thank you. It came in just like I said. And he said, I appreciate you. And I was like, Hans, I appreciate. I mean, listen, I saw Hans way up here after that day. I mean, I, I just, I, I thought the world of Hans because there are so very few people that have that kind of, uh, of, of a heart. But see, that's, that's the way we are. The children of Israel wandered around for 40 years in the wilderness and some of you wandering around in the wilderness because that hasn't been, boy, are y'all here? This We're in there right now. Amen. And this is, I know it's not, this is, doesn't make us comfortable. But see, that's, that's what's revealed to us when we go through the, now listen, it's not for you to beat yourself over the head if you've made mistakes like that. Don't be, being yourself over the head doesn't do anything to change uh, your circumstances and to, to position you for what God has for you. You've got to turn away from what was. You've got to, repentance doesn't just mean turning away. It means ignore it. You've got to ignore what's in the past and you have to determine that from here on forward that you're going to do different, that you're going, that you're going to live different, that you're going to be of different. Because what was revealed in a, in a previous season is that there are some things that need to be adjusted and need to be fixed in order for you to walk in the fullness of what God has for you. You get it? Oh, yeah. Amen. Now listen, if you, get, if you beat yourself up and oh, woe is me and whatnot, listen, that does nothing except for validate what the devil is saying about you, which is that you can't be trusted with nothing. God ain't going to give you nothing. Now listen, I'm going to tell you, you, here's what some of you say, well, I failed the test. God's never going to trust me. No wonder I'm so broke. God can't trust me with nothing. Listen, if you repent, you get before God and you're like, Lord, I can do this. I know I can, with your help, we can straighten this out. Lord, together with you and your spirit and your word, we can all do this. We can get this done. If you'll, if you'll do that, you know how many times God will forgive you for being stupid? Well, unlimited. You know, Jesus said 70 times seven in a day. In a day. You hadn't, you hadn't been stupid with your finances uh, 490 times in a day. Listen, you'd have to spend your whole day being dumb. Amen. Glory to, is this giving anybody hope? Listen, you got to take up hope. Before, before you can get into faith, you got to have hope. And so you have, to, you have to have the hope that God can do what is necessary to get everything straight in your heart so that you can get over in the realm of faith and break out of any financial bondage and any financial trouble that you find yourself in. That God one day, when he needs to get a million dollars into the kingdom, he can trust you with it. He can trust you to write that million dollar check. 
Well, you know what? But let's not, let's not get that far. Let's start, with the, let's start with the five, with the 10, with the 20, with the 100, with the 1,000, with the, with the 5,000, with the 10,000. I mean, let him, let him graduate you. Amen. Don't go believing for a mansion when all you got faith for is a shack. And don't feel bad when your faith produces a shack. Especially if you were living in a cardboard box. You need to rejoice. You need to rejoice in the shack. Glory to God. Are y'all hearing me today? Some people, some people are like, well, I'm believing God for a mansion. Well, that's fine. Uh, believe God for a mansion. But man, get up out the get 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 out of this get out of the get out of the gutter first. How many of y'all? How many of y'all would love to be able to drive a brand new vehicle? Every two years, just, just trade it off, drive something new. All right, here's, here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to be a good steward with what God has given you. You're going to have to take care of what you got. <laughs> Polish it. Some people are like, oh, this car ain't worth it. Yeah, there you go. What you got ain't worth it. When I, had, when I had a Chevette that had water coming into one on one side because there's a hole in the floorboard, I would, I would wax that thing. I'd polish that thing. I'd vacuum that thing. Ted would get in that car and say, you got anything on your feet? And he'd look at me like I was crazy because there's a hole in the floorboard. I'm like, yeah, but I vacuumed it real nice. My car was clean. Oh, yeah. Clean. Every car that I've had was clean. I take care of what I have because I'm being a good steward with what God gave me. Some of y'all ain't never take care of what God gave you. You don't take care of your clothes. You don't take care of your shoes. You don't take care of your house. You got to learn how to take care of it if you're going to be a good steward. Because if, if, you, if you go into something different or something new, with that, with that mentality, you will tear it up. You're going to go treat it right. Praise the Lord. So we went from Honda to, uh, and then the, the, the decisions that you make. And I've, I've talked to you all about some of this. Well, I know I'm taking a while with this, but I think it's, I think it's helpful. Um, some have asked me, they said, Pastor, um, what would you recommend I do for a car? You know, you know what you're going to hear from, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to tell everybody and, and everybody that's listening to the recording, uh, if, if, you, if you're trying to work things out financially, if you're trying to work your way up into something nice and you, you want to know where to start, Honda. <laughs> you can't go wrong with a Honda, not hardly. I mean, as far as resale value, things of that nature. Now, listen, I'm not trying to sell you a car. I'm just telling you how I, how I think. Me and Annie had this conversation here the other day. Annie um, has been waiting for a long time for something in particular that she wants, uh, has wanted for a long period of time. And y'all you're, you're, are about to find out what it is in just not too long from now, anyhow. She's going to get up in here and blind everybody with it. But anyway, um, you know, when I talked to her about it, I'm like, you know, uh, for, for, for us, for me, I always think about resale. You know, that's just what's always in my mind. Now, listen, that don't have to be on your mind, but that's always what's on my mind. What can I, what, if, when, when I want to get out of this, 
when I want to get rid of this? Because you never think you're going to want to get rid of anything. I mean, I bought this, I bought this Rolex and I didn't buy it with the intent of selling it. But you know what? I'm, I may not, I may get to the point where it's like, eh, you know, it is nice, but uh, I think I'd like something different and may end up selling it. So, um, you know, if I buy jewelry, I'm not going to buy jewelry that um, uh, I'm not going to be able to get at least what I put into it or close to what I put into it out of it. Because I, like, I don't like doing that. Now, here's the thing. If you got plenty of money and you don't care about that and it's all right with the Lord, you can throw your money in a hole in your backyard. Put some gasoline on it and burn it if you want to. God don't care. I mean, if, if you think that that's, that's all there is to it, I mean, I suggest you do something else, but um, <laughs> if there's no conviction in your heart over it, you can do whatever you want to do. If you have plenty of money, Go ahead, man. I mean, if you're cold and that's what you want to use to start your fire. So, you know, when I'm thinking about a car, well, where are you at in life? You know, I'm not going to tell Ted to go, hey, Ted, I think you need to buy a Honda Civic, you know, start there. No, Ted's passed a Honda Civic. Ted can get what he wants to get. He won't. Every year we go to the fair. Every year at the fair we go to the automobile area. Every time we go to the automobile area, I make Ted get in an $80,000, $90,000 pickup truck. I know good and well Ted could get that pickup truck if he wanted to. But you know what he says? Now, now, it's too much. I'm going to pay this much for that. I'm waiting on my rolls. I'm going to have something that's going to be my rolls. You know, that's, that, that, that's where Ted's at. He can do that if he wants to. But some people, they don't, have, they don't have that luxury. So some of you, you know, maybe you're Ubering. Well, if you're Ubering, maybe you need to believe for a scooter. A bicycle. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, man. Not depending on Shree to come pick you up. That's what that's what Bailey did. And then right, Bailey? You Ubered here for a while, didn't you? She Ubered here for a while. You know what? I I I appreciated that about Bailey. That there was no expectation on her part. And you know what? That's a good attitude to have. That you're not going to become reliant. Because the minute you start relying on people and, and you let yourself get into that habit, sometimes that, that knocks you down in your faith. But when it costs you something, that's a motivation. That's a motivation to get out of that place. Oh, amen. Amen. Maybe if someone loaned you a car. Listen, if someone loaned you a car, you better take care of that car as if it was yours. And if you don't take care of your car, take care of it like it was your mama's car and she beat you to death if you didn't take care of it. Because I've met people drive someone's car into the ground, give it back to them broken. And say, well, the Lord blessed me for as long as he blessed me for to let me drive this car. But, you know, it broke, so I'm giving it back to him. No, man, you ought to give it back to him with new tires or something. Go ahead, man. Better than the condition that you got it in. Well, hello. Go ahead, Pastor. Boy, I, I, I can kind of feel it in the atmosphere right now. It's, it, I don't even, I, I mean, I didn't even think that that was something that uh, any of us even had to think about. But. But I, I mean, I've no, I've have known people. 
that drove someone, that, that, that someone said, here, you can drive my car. They drove that person's car for over a year and then blew the engine up on it and called those people up and said, hey, you know, you know, you're letting me use your car and it broke down on me. Uh, it's over on the corner of such and such. If you want to come pick it up. And then go tell people the Lord blessed me to drive that car for a year and a half. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> it's, it's it's nuts. We we got we've got to we got to start thinking according to the word of God. So stewardship, extremely important. But if you're, you know, if you're trying to work your way up, if you're trying to get some, then get something that's within your faith. Get something that when you go to sell it, it's going to be worth something. Go ahead, man. Don't go get something that is not going to be worth nothing. Don't go get something that you can't do the maintenance on. There's nothing worse than going to, there's nothing worse than being at a BMW dealer, Mercedes dealer. I've been to Mercedes, I've been to BMW, any, many of the cars that I've had that are luxury cars, I've been sitting up in there when there were people fighting with the maintenance people about how much their bill was. It's like, dude, you bought, you bought a car that was going to cost you money to maintain. Don't, don't stand up in here and be crying about how it cost $600 for a plug that goes in your radiator. You know what? You should have counted the cost before you ever dropped money on that. But now you drove that around acting like you was all highfalutin and everything. It's like them people that buy some big old houses. We, we went through houses. We were looking at houses over in Columbus. And I went. we walked through some million-dollar homes that had one couch, one chair, a little tiny table with two chairs, no other furniture, nothing on the walls, people living in these multi-million dollar homes and couldn't afford to air condition them, couldn't afford to heat them, and couldn't afford to furnish them. Go ahead now. But they lived in a nice neighborhood. That's not supernatural increase, folks. That's not the blessing of the Lord. If you, maybe, 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 you, maybe if you're living in a shack with a dirt floor, uh, you believe God for a coffee table, a nice one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you got to start working it somewhere, a nice coffee table. And then, you know, you tell people, praise God, look at the coffee table. Now, people might look at you funny. They might think you're weird, but it'll develop your faith. Right. Then believe for a floor yeah. for underneath the coffee table. Or maybe the, maybe the floor first and then the coffee table. I don't know, but work it. Work it. Work it. You get Honda. You know, work a Honda, a Honda Civic. Then maybe an Accord. Then maybe an Acura or something along that line. Then, you know, but you don't want to jump into something that you can't. Uh, amen. Well, praise the Lord. Uh, you want to be a good steward and you want to be wise. So, uh, definitely. Amen. And when you have it, believe that uh, yours is going to be worth better than everybody else's. Praise God. I bought a, I bought a Land Rover. Those things, those things tank. In, in, uh, when you drive them off the lot, 
you can say bye. It's ten thousand dollars. You know, we, we bought Land Rover LR4. You know, big old big old boxy SUV. Yeah, we had it when we was when we was pastoring the church. So you know, we bought that, and then came time for me to change the uh, to get some brakes, and it came fast. Eight thousand miles. Got to change the brakes. Eight thousand miles. I looked at the tires. Tires needed changed. By the time I looked at the bill for tires and brakes, $6,000 and an oil change. I was like, this is like airplane maintenance. I thought, what, what does it make more sense for me to do? Do the maintenance on it or just trade it off for something better? So I called up a Porsche dealer. I said, hey, I'm looking at this Porsche. <laughs> I said, what do you give me for this Land Rover? I'm going to tell you right now, that guy, that guy, that guy gave me $1,500 more than I owed on it. I drove the thing for two years, and I was only $1,500 backwards on the thing, or uh, uh, on top of the thing. So, I mean, we lost, we lost what we put in it as far as for driving it, but I rented, a, I rented a Land Rover, drove a Land Rover around for a period of time. Most people losing money on them, and we came away. And not that we didn't lose money, because you lose money on a car no matter what. But they had to give me $1,500. And I, and, I didn't, and I didn't put any money down. I just, I, that's how I borrowed. But see, the, the Lord, he'll do that for you. He'll make sure that all your stuff maintains value. And it'll, and it'll be valuable just because you touched it. Well, praise the Lord. You know, everybody, loves, everybody always loves my stuff. And then when we go to get rid of it, people want it. That's right. And they're willing to pay a premium for it, and we don't even know why. Right. Yeah. Except for, he caused your foot not to swell. Your garments didn't wear out. You know, things that the Bible says. Right. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways uh, and to fear him. For the, for the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains, of, uh, and depths that spring out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and figs and pomegranates, a land of oil, of oil olive, and honey, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. Thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass uh, when thou hast eaten and are full. Then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land uh, that he has given you. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes which I command thee. Lest when thou hast eaten and are full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein. And when thy herds and thy uh, flocks multiply and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied and all that thou hast is multiplied then thine heart be lifted up and thou forget the Lord thy God which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage who led thee through the great and terrible wilderness wherein there were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought and uh, where there was no water uh, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of Flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, that he might prove thee to do thee good in thy latter end. And thou say in thine heart, my power and my might hath gotten me this wealth. Woo! Boy, listen, I'm going to tell you right now. That's another temptation. 
that somehow or another, when you start getting blessed, all of a sudden you start thinking you're hot stuff and you did it. <laughs> Woo, what the Lord yanked a rug out from under. <laughs> you go through a test and all of a sudden that rug gets yanked out. And then, then, you, re, then you realize you rested in, uh, you rested in uh, your, your uh, faith or your uh, belief in, in what you had the ability to do. Thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, it's he that gives thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant. Any questions about this? Was that pretty thorough, thoroughly covered? Did that make sense? Um, now, how often are you going to go through the test? As often as you choose to, uh, to graduate to a higher place. Here's another test that's going to happen. God's going to take you to a place where you're nice and comfortable and everything's cool. And you're going to have everything that you have need of. You're not going to lack for anything. You're just going to be comfortable. And the Lord's going to be like, really? Is that all you, that's as far as you're going? Because now that you're comfortable, that means everything's right with the world. You're not believing, you're not pushing for, for more, for the kingdom. You're not seeking first the kingdom. I mean, what if Pastor Zig asked for somebody so... Uh, you know, uh, $50,000 toward an aircraft. I mean, what are you going to do? Oh, I don't do that. Well, yeah, but what? But you could. Come on. You could. Man, how many of you all would love to be on the call list for whenever we needed something like that? That you be, that you be one of the ones that gets a phone call. Hey, y'all, I need for, I, this is what we need. Can I count on you? And you just be able to say, yep, write the check. Amen. Amen. But see, we're, we, we got to trust the Lord for that. We got we got we got press uh, we got press in uh, for greater, and so we can't we can't rest on our laurels. We can't just settle for that place. Any other any other, any questions about this? Any any more that we have about that? Yeah, Jess. <clears throat> All of this is awesome. Um, I was talking with someone uh, yesterday about how I wanted to build my faith you know, like within a six month time period or a year time period for something that I think is like almost impossible. Like I would like to be a stay at home mom. Right. Logically, I'm like, if you're having more than two kids, it just doesn't make sense <laughs> at that point to keep working with all the money that goes into daycare. Um, and it may seem kind of like a silly kind of dream, but I've always had that dream. Um, <laughs> thank you, Ayla. But um I always kind of feel like, okay, we give our tithes. When the Lord asks us to give, we give. I'm definitely seeing some areas where I'm like, wow, we could be better stewards in these areas. Mm -hmm. But we don't have a lot of debt, like really anything other than our house and our car. Bills, we pay them. Right. We're comfortable. Right. But to go down to one income is scary and cr seems crazy too. But I'm like, I don't think God really cares. Like, if I'm a stay-at-home mom or if I work in HR the rest of my life, he doesn't care. He wants me to be a good steward. And he wants me to be faithful. And he sure. wants me to grow. And so I I'm kind of stopped asking him, Lord, do you want me to be a stay-at-home mom? And I'm just like, Lord, you just want me to be faithful. But how do I get my faith to that kind of place outside of these other areas? So is there something more like i guess what is you, there something yeah. bigger what what you have what you have to prepare for is you have to prepare for the test and the test is to 
you know, that a lot of times what we're looking for is we're looking for the Lord to supply in order for us to, like we're looking for him to move first before we step out and do what it is that we're exercising our faith for. And so when, when, you, when, you, when, you, when you know that you've developed your faith and you've um, uh, how can I how can I say that? Because oh, I thought you were going to say something. I was like, oh, I, I was like, Annie's got something to say. Boy, you're a hot mama. Anyway, um, when when you get in faith for something. Faith calls those things that be not as though they are. So what you have to understand about that is that faith doesn't say, well, it's going to happen. Faith says it's already done. But not just in your head. There's something about faith that puts you in the same attitude as, let's say you were believing for glasses. And you really had faith for glasses. And then I came and I put these glasses in your hand. Well, because, because you really functioned in faith, it didn't mean a thing to you that I put these glasses in your hand because to you it was already done. See, it's like, like when, we, when I talk about the Lord blessing us with the airplane. I received that airplane way before it manifested. And so when, when that airplane, when that airplane, the purchase of that airplane finally went through and that airplane showed up on the ramp. I remember everybody was just excited and I was excited. Don't get me wrong. Um, but, but to me, my excitement and the kind of excitement that they were exhibiting, I had already exhibited that excitement. It was something that I had already, I'd already gone through because faith will take you to that place where it's settled. And so, um, you all have heard me talk about faith when it comes to receiving healing. Uh, when, when you're really in faith for, your, for a physical healing, you won't even know when it... I'm, I'm telling you 100% of the time, you won't even know when it manifested unless it's something like you're in a wheelchair or, you know, uh, something of that nature or you had a big old growth and it fell off of you or something. Then you might be aware of the fact that, you know, that it happened. But, um, but as far as... Uh, um, that, you know, airplane. When, when that airplane pulled up, everybody was all, hey, man, can you believe it? I'm like, man, y'all didn't believe? I mean, I, I didn't think that, but it was, maybe I did once or twice, but it was just like, I told you. I mean, I told you it was ours. I mean, it was, we, we said it. We told y'all. I mean, it was one of those things. It was settled. Um, you know, the kids were excited. Anyway, everybody was. And I was like, well, I told y'all. I mean, it was, it was, it was, in my mind, it was a, so there, there's something about getting in that kind of faith. When you get to that place in your faith, you will drop that job like a bad habit. And you won't, listen, there'll be things in your mind that'll say, oh, you know, what are you going to do? You know, but it is so, it is so, it, uh, it is so, you've, you've placed it so far back in the priority of your thoughts and your mindset of, of what you're carrying around in your spirit that it's not going to be the hindrance that you think it will be. But to get there, you have to go through what you're going through right now. You will never get there unless you go through what you're going through. And it can get tough 
to go through what you're going through because of the uh, uh, the the link that your soul the the um, um, the participation that's necessary from your soul in the process. I'm talking to more than one person here. So your soul is linked to the process because your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions, right? And so your soul is very much connected to that. So you have, what you, the, the hardest thing is determining the difference between what's in your spirit and what's in your soul. And being okay to put your soul through a roller coaster ride to get to where you need to be in the spirit. Because your soul is going to go through a roller coaster ride when it comes to wanting to stay because it has to do with the love for children, a love for family, has nothing to do. It's not about being lazy. It's not about being, you know, entitled. It's none of that. It has to do with motherhood. It has to do with the direction. And I believe God's taken Ayla, you, and other women in our church in that direction because that's the way God always intended for it to be. And if, and if God can find women and men, couples, that will, that will put their faith on that, we can reinstitute that and begin to see that happen again on a larger scale in the church and in the world. And uh, uh, we, we'll be doing what is pleasing to the Lord. It is pleasing to the Lord for a woman to be at home raising her children, raising her family, being a, a wife. Uh, and uh, of course, you know, we're, we're in an age where people don't want to hear that. But, you know, let them. <laughs> let them go out there and, you know, do that. You know, you can tell. And oh, how do I say this and not sound chauvinistic or whatever? Well, it's not, it's not going to work. Um, you, you, have to, you have to think about, when, when, you, when you look at the culture now, when you think about, when you listen to um, men, when, do you know why men, do you know why men work? Why they, why they go out and do these jobs? They work because they want to take care of their families. Oh, yeah. They want to take care of their family. And so m most men are motivated by being providers that's it's and it's it's because it's not because of society that's the way god constructed us now when you put a woman now and this is not all cases but most cases you put a woman in that same work environment and women <laughs> so you say to a woman um hey I, are you working to take care of your man no i'm working to take care of myself Now, here's what people say. That's selfish. Mm, no, listen. No, you don't understand. We put women in an environment God didn't intend for them to be in. And you know what? They don't, th they don't think about taking care of no man. They ain't going to take care. Listen, they're going to take care of themselves. They're going to take care of themselves. They're going to take care of themselves and anybody else that might come along that they need to take care of. But you, they ain't taking care of you. But what, what is the man? What's the man thinking right away? I got to provide for my wife. Yeah. Right. In fact, men will go without. Mm -hmm. Now, this isn't always the case because, you know, you got some people that are wrestling with different things. But most of the time, men will go without themselves uh, if they're in a committed relationship with a, a woman, with a wife, or even sometimes with a girlfriend where they... 
they, they want to provide. That's the way we were constructed. So um, your, faith is, your faith is not put in a wrong place when you, uh, when you put your faith there. But I, I encourage you, remember we talked about spirit, soul, and body the other day. It's important that you get your soul aligned with what the Bible says, that you get your soul in line with what the word says, that you don't let your feelings run away from you. That you have right feelings and healthy feelings. It's good for you to have those feelings of wanting to be with your children. And you ought to stand on those. You ought to be like, Lord, you constructed me this way. God, it's my place to take care of my household. That's what your word says. In fact, Lord, when your word says, talks about a, 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 a godly woman, um, her children rise up and call her blessed because she is a, the administrator of the home. She does that. I mean, all these things that the Bible says. And so you want to remind yourself and you want to remind the Lord of the word. You want to know this. God's trying to get you there. He's trying to get you there. So go through the process. Go, go, let, go ahead and let God wring you out and let yourself be wrung out by the process so that all the stuff that would hinder you from getting there will be... Uh, uh, so it'll, it'll be eradicated from your life and you can live in that place of blessing. And you know what? And people are going to tell you, hey, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't, you shouldn't do that to your poor husband. Poor husband, nothing. God made us to carry that. God made us for that purpose. God, listen, and if, and if you're a wimpy man, you're like, oh, you can't do that. You ain't doing that to me. You need, you need to, you, I'm, I'm going to get you a couple rocks from outside. You need to take them home with you till you grow your own. Amen. But, uh, listen, it's, it, we got, we got step. I know that was better suited for a men's meeting, but listen, there's, there's got to be something happen. This, this whole thing of toxic masculinity. Listen, I, that's stupid. It took, it took what some people are calling toxic masculinity or high, people being hyper-masculine. I mean, if there was no hyper-masculinity, what people think is hyper-masculinity, you wouldn't have a world to live in. So um, that's the way God made us. That's the way he constructed us. We're supposed to be masculine. You're supposed to be feminine. That's just the way that it is. Get over it. You don't like it? Lump it. Now, what if, what if some men have feminine tendencies? Listen, if that's, that's you, okay. Okay. They don't mean you're gay, but you're a feminine male. Well, what if you're a masculine woman? Well, then you're a masculine woman. Doesn't mean you're, doesn't mean you're a man. You're just a masculine woman. Maybe we're born with a little more of a certain hormone or something in your in your body and it just or or a certain attitude you know some mikey she was a tomboy for a long time but uh she's a woman anyway did that help you jess yeah work your faith and i'll you know what you you might want to get some other people to work their faith with you you know have them agree with you you know however however the lord leads you but it's it's really important that you be led by the spirit and that um, that when the time comes that you're in agreement with your spouse, that you're in agreement with heaven, and that you're ready to maybe endure what you might need to endure. You know what? Uh, what, happened, what happened to me was with the airplane, it wasn't that I believed that the Lord would just supply all this extra money to pay for the airplane. I didn't, honestly, that wasn't where my faith was. My faith was is that we would be able to do what was necessary to facilitate it. And I knew, I knew that there was supernatural, going to be supernatural provision. But I thought, 
if there's things that we have to sacrifice. And so before, 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 we, before we bought the airplane, I sacrificed a ministry car, eliminated it, sold it, sold it, sold it for high too, just like always. <laughs> it, was a, it, was a, it was a brand new Mercedes Benz, brand new. I mean, I hadn't had that thing for five months. And I bought that Mercedes Benz. It was a, uh, I can't remember what the model was, a two-door. So it was a coupe. It was a cool, cool car. Um, but uh, when, once we got word, airplane, uh, and, and I, I went and I sold that car. I, I drove it on the lot. The, the, the general manager of the car lot saw it and sent someone out and said, ask that guy if he's selling that car. Is he trying to trade that car? I said, yeah, I brought it in to trade it. My general manager's going to buy it. The general manager bought my car from me. Oh, yeah. Gave me five grand. Gave me a check for $5,000 on that car. I'd driven the thing for four or five months. And I only financed what I paid for. The, I, I didn't put no money down. I got $5,000 out of that car. General manager was like, you're stupid. I said, no, I'm not. You are. You gave me $5,000 more. <laughs> Glory to God. But anyway, um, so if, say, for example, if Annie were to say to me, Zig, uh, which, I mean, it's kind of too late. She can actually retire right now, but um, she's not an old woman, but she, uh, she's been working so long that she can actually, she could have retired last year, I think. Two years ago, yeah. So she's two years past where, when she could retire. But... Prior to that, we had had the conversation. And I told her, I said, baby, do what you want to do. You want to quit, quit. Here's, here's the thing. You're, if, if, you're, if you're married to a good, godly man, he's going to tell you to quit anytime you want to. But he's also going to say this. We may have to change our lifestyle. You might have to get some lead press on nails. You may have to start painting your own fingernails. You understand? You might have to start getting creative. <laughs> you know, maybe we can get a garden, put a garden in the back, grow our own vegetables. I mean, maybe we can do something that will, uh, let's, let's, because, because here's the thing, a man, even, even though they're in faith, uh, the way, a man, uh, the way a man is made to work, like I said, Annie, she's not thinking much about, I, I'll tell you, tell you what I did. I bought Annie a diamond for, um, for her birthday, for anniversary. I got her a diamond at 10 years, and she, she said, I need me another diamond. I'm like, nobody needs a diamond. I said, but if you want one, you can have one. Yeah. And so we went, we looked at a diamond, and she, was, she had sticker shock because she didn't realize how much, you know, anything over a carrot, you know, is exponentially more. And so... You know, she got almost a carat diamond on that ring now. But she's like, I'd like to have me a two-carat diamond. I'm like, I'd love for you to have one. I don't really want to pay for one. But if you really want it, if you really want it. And so we went to looking. And when we, when we looked, she's, she's looking at carat stones. That's, that's how Annie is. Annie's like, can I see what a carat stone looks like? It's like. Baby, you already got nearly a carrot on there now. I mean, 
I thought you wanted a diamond. I thought you wanted something bigger, you know. Don't, have, don't get me in the mix, because then I'll be challenging what you're thinking, you know. And, and then and I told the guy, I said, well, you got something bigger than that? Well, he bring it, he's, he's going up by quarter carat increments. So he brings out, you know, one and a quarter carat. You, can I tell you a price on that? All right, so this ex, I mean, this went, so when Annie heard that, she's like, what? <laughs> she said, I didn't, I didn't, what did you pay for this one? I said, baby, I paid like seven grand for that, and that was, that's back the long, it was when we was married 10 years, 96. <laughs> that's, <laughs> or 98, 98, 98. And she, uh, she's like, okay. I, I could see it in her face, though. You know, he was showing her that stone, and I was like, I'll get, I'll get it. If you want it, we'll get it. And the guy's like, yeah, get it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and he's like, uh, let's talk about it. I said, all right, we can talk about it. So we left. We talked about it, you know. And, and I said, well, what do you want? You know, what do you want? She said, well, that one wasn't that big. No, now, now listen, don't get me wrong. She's like, she's like, think about it. When you got your expectations up higher, and here's the thing, you can either settle, you can either settle, or you can stick with what you, you know, what you're looking to do. Now, here's the thing with us. Now, because we're not broke, she can have whatever she wants. So we don't have to, we don't have to be like, well, I only got one and a quarter carat faith. Now, listen, I got... I got three, four carat. You understand? I mean, I'm, I'll get, I'll get up there. Whatever she wants, she can have. Whatever she wants, she can have. We're, we're, we're already beyond that. Now, now, if, if you get upset about that, I'm sorry. That's just where we're at. If that's what she wants, she can have it. She want a swimming pool? I, I told her. I said. It's, it's a big hole in the backyard. We're gonna put fifty thousand dollars in. We're never gonna get it back. Is that what you want? Because if that's what you want, we'll go dig a $50,000 hole. We'll never get a dime back out of that because you don't get your money out of a swimming pool. But if you want to get wet, in the summertime, bring your friends over here. We'll do it. <laughs> She's like, I don't know. I want a ring. Well, when I, when I told her, you know, she says, well, what would a two-carat be? And when I told her what a two-carat would be, she was like, oh, ah, that, one, that one and a quarter carat was pretty nice. <laughs> but here's the thing. I told her, whatever you want. Whatever you want. We want to do whatever. Yeah, here, here in one second. Long story short, there's a two-carat coming next, next Monday. Amen. Okay? So we did it. We, we did it. That's what she wanted. Now, we've had, we've had discussions about other things that she wanted, like leaving her job back in... The, back in now, here's what I told her for that. Now, now, we're in a different place today, but back then, here's what I said. All right. Here's, we can do that. Quit your job. But here's what you need to anticipate. There's a possibility that if you quit your job, we're going to have to adjust our lifestyle. 
till we get, till we adjust, until we get to that place where we can. And, and she was always like, well, what, I've, what about supernatural increase? I said, yeah, supernatural. Amen. I believe in supernatural increase. But here's the thing. We may, we may need to do something different. You may not you may not be driving the same kind of car you're driving now or trading your car like you're trading it now. You may not be making the same visits to the salon that you're making right now. You may not be going and shopping in the same way that you shop. You have to, you just have to be ready in case you have to make adjustments and don't let it affect your faith. Still work your faith, but do whatever it takes, do whatever it takes and move in that direction. And so it was always something that she was like, oh, you know, I don't know, man. And, uh, but I, here's the thing. I, I, would, I don't care. You know, I don't care. I told her straight up, I don't care. I said, you have to determine, though, what the Lord really wants you to do. And, right. and the Lord kept her in there doing what she is doing. Thank God. And it's been a blessing uh, to y'all, to, uh, to us, and for her to do what she's done to our, to our family. She did what she was supposed to. Annie did what she was supposed to do. Amen. She did what she was supposed to do. Amen. She said, yeah, but didn't you say, Dad, that that wasn't the Lord's perfect will? Yeah, it's not the Lord's perfect will, but there's plenty of people doing it. It's not his perfect will. It's not, it's not what he set out to do. But I believe there are people that are moving it in that direction to make it happen. So with the airplane, I thought, there might be some things we might have to change. Sell, we sell that car. Uh, change expenses. We figured out what it cost us to drive to a place. But then after we got the aircraft, none of that mattered because now all of a sudden we were having $20,000 more a month come in than what we would typically have. It's like the Lord moved to this building. And I was like, yeah, we can do this building. We can do this building even though it's nearly... It's nearly two-thirds higher than what our last building was. It's two more extra payments a month than what we had over at the other place. Some people look at us like, what? can you do that? I was like, well, you know what? Number one, we need a building. Number two, the Lord provided this one. We know he did. We got our faith on it, and we were fully persuaded. We were, listen, by the time we got here, I was fully persuaded. When we got this, I was fully persuaded. We got up in here. Do you know our account has not dipped below what it was when we first moved in here from the day we moved in? Yeah. Not one time. Not one time. Not only that, but I'm putting out money in other places where we've never put out before. So the Lord came and he supplies everything. So it takes sometimes that step of faith before we see how it's going to happen and whether or not it's going to require for us to have to make adjustments. You know? Debbie said she got something. Whenever I decided to retire, I, I thought about that and prayed about that and got my faith on it for like four years before I did it. And I looked at everything that we were going to, if we were going to have to change anything, I looked at all that before I finally stepped out and retired. So it took me a little bit, but I, I had the faith to go ahead and do it. And now God has taken care of us. Yes. Amen. You, you, have to, you have to examine the motive of your heart. Your heart has to be to do the will of God. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. 
your heart has to be to do the will. The fact that when people like uh, Jess, I'm watching her, she got a wrestling match going on in her heart because she's saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? Ayla, I know there's a wrestling match going on in Ayla's heart. She's like, Lord, what do you want me to do? When it, you know, these are, these are new mothers. Listen, y'all, y'all know y'all's hearts are right. You, you got it. If you, if you don't know it, I'm going to confirm it for you. You don't, you don't sit there and go like, well, Lord, y'all's consideration is first the Lord. People that their consideration is themselves, they be going to their husband. Listen, you better start doing something because I'm about to quit this job. And you're going to have to, you, you better step it up, boy. You better start, I'm declaring the increase. So, you know, that's a bad, that's a bad wrong attitude. That's a bad attitude. That's not the attitude y'all have. And anything when it comes to finance, when, when your motivation is to do what the Lord wants you to do, you say, even with a car, listen, anytime I'm getting a car, I start out with, Lord, is this all right? Sometimes the Lord's like, I don't care. Do what you want to do. You know, you know, God, sometimes he don't care what you drive. He's like, I don't care. Do what you do what you can do what you, if you can do what you want, do what you want. Well, Ted has never wanted to get a $90,000 pickup truck. I beat him up too much. I put him through too much. I'm not, okay. I went to buy a pickup. I didn't have no problem getting a nice pickup. Because I ain't going to beat it up. You know, I don't think nothing about that. I, I'm just going to drive it on the street most of the time. Throw some stuff in the back every now and again. But Ted, he's hauling washers and dryers, and, and he'd be running into poles. And, and then if we go fishing together and I drive it, I'll run it into a pole or two. And uh, <laughs> you remember that, Ted? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, then he tell me, Pastor says it just adds character to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that last one had a lot of character. <laughs> Shree's got lots of character right now. She'll be backing it into the... <laughs> Anyhow. <laughs> but what's the, what's the motive of your heart? Is it for you? Is it for you to, you know, the, the Lord don't need to look better because you're driving a nicer car. You're not making the Lord look any better because you're driving. Now, what makes the Lord look good is when you're serving him and living for him and trusting him and loving him, no matter what your circumstances are, that all glory and all honor and praise goes to him, whether you're in a Corvette or a Chevette. But when your heart is set on him, that's what's pleasing to the Lord. And so... If you, if, now, if you're looking at your job and you're going, man, that's a miserable job. I hate this job. That's when you got to start to question. Like when I quit school, um, I hated school. Listen, y'all, I hated school. I loathed school. <laughs> I didn't want to go to school for that. So when, so when my counselors called me in and said, you need to quit school, that was so close to my flesh. That was so close to my flesh. But I was spending a lot of time with the Lord. I mean, a lot of time. Every, I, was, I was at home every day after school. I mean, I was spending time in the presence of God, praying and really seeking his face about the direction for, our, for ministry. And so I was already in the spirit. So when they told me that, I hadn't really entertained it because I didn't think I could. It was so close to my flesh. I couldn't get my soul out of the way. 
my, my emotions were too attached. So when I left that office and I was like, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the, that's when the Lord spoke to me. He said, the fact that you're asking me ought to tell you where your heart is. Go ahead, man. You want to do my will. And, and as soon as I heard him tell, I was like, yes, Lord, I do want to do your will. He said, you weren't like, good, I'm going to get out of here. Ugh, I hate school. That, even though I hated school, that, that wasn't what was rolling around in my heart and in my mind. It was, Lord, what do you want? First thing in my mind, first thing out of my mouth, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do I need to do? Where are you leading me? And, and the minute he pointed out, he said, was the first thing you said? I said, well, Lord, I want to do your will. He said, that's right. He said, I want you to quit. I want you to get out of here. You know what? I didn't take, I didn't take joy. I didn't get as excited as I thought I would about quitting school. Now, all of a sudden, there was the weight of what comes next. What now, Lord? And it wasn't a thing of, y'all losers, I'm up out of here. You know, you, you can tell. Sometimes you can tell by the way people talk whether they're really doing the will of God or not. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so, you know, when you got people that are like, deuces, you bunch of losers, you, I'm, I'm out of here. God told me to get up out of here. That's not, that's not usually the Lord. So, um, but uh, that was the right decision on, on my part too. Even though people didn't think that that was a wise decision, it turned out that it was the right decision. Later on, uh, when, when I had that revival meeting in Chickasha, that long revival meeting went nine months. I'll, I'll finish with this. Or I'll, if you have any questions, I'll answer them after this. But um, we held that long revival in Chickasha. I went there and a man came up to me and he said, I want to apologize to you. I said, why? I don't know you. He goes, oh, no, he said, he said, you do. He said, you just don't remember me. He said, uh, I was a member of Dayspring Church, the church that you were a member of when you were a teenager. He said, in fact, he said, when you quit school, um, I, that's when I was, you know, that's when I was in the, uh, in the church there. He said, I remember the Sunday that you came and you were telling everybody quit school. I'm going into the ministry. The Lord called me to the ministry. God told me to quit school. And he said, he said, I thought in my mind, I thought, here goes another loser jumping out there and doing something stupid, saying it was God because they didn't want to put in the work to do. And you know what? That's what it looks like when you're, that's what it looks like in the natural to some people. But you know what? You're not accountable to them. You're accountable to him. And so he said, he looked at me, he said, boy, was I wrong. He said, you know, back then he said, I was in ministry and here I am not doing any ministry at all. And you're here at my church now in Chickasha having the greatest revival meetings, he says, I've ever participated in. I've never felt the presence of God like I felt here. The Lord has changed my life, he said, and I want to say I'm sorry. He said, because I thought you were a loser. He said, I thought you were, I thought you hadn't heard from God. He said, but evidently you did hear from God and I'm the one that didn't hear from God. I stayed in a safe place and you were willing to get out there and follow your faith. Be willing to follow your faith, Jess. Okay. I, listen, as your pastor, I'm going to say something I would never say to anyone. I believe that your faith is going to lead you to be at home. I believe that about Ayla too. I believe God's, God's going to lead y'all there. And you know what? He's going to supply everything that you have. You all are going to have way more than enough. Way more than enough. 17 kids and way more than enough in the name of Jesus. No, maybe not 17, but anyway. 
<laughs> Joe's, Joe, Joe's like, yeah, 17. He said, we'll have us a nice company then. <laughs> Praise God. Any other questions? Did this help anybody here today? I know it was, I know it was different, but hopefully this helped you. These are, that was, I guess, some of the practical things or things people call practical. Um, and again, it may be different for you than it is for me. The Lord may lead you in different ways than what he led me. God, God leads me in a very different way. Um, I know that Annie has not always, and it's not that she doesn't seek to understand her, that Annie, she, sometimes I think she's like, man, I'm just not as uh, wise or I don't have as much uh, godly experience or I don't hear from her. That's not it. It's that the Lord, he put it in me to lead our home. That's, that's my deal. That's, that's what I do. And so for her to be like, well, you know, I'm, why didn't I believe that? Well, because you didn't need to. All you needed to do is have me to say it and then just be like, all right, Lord, I'm, I'm going to trust that, you know, Zig heard from you and, and I'm just going to walk by faith. And, uh, but Annie has been <laughs> I won't tell you all right. Y'all don't even know. Annie has been just an incredible, incredible wife. Oh, yeah. The Lord really blessed me. I've read books about preachers that had wives that were just terrible. They, 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 they just made it hard for them to do the work of the ministry. <laughs> they wouldn't let them travel nowhere. They were like a bunch of drooping faucets. Just like the Bible says, you know, a, 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 a nagging woman is like a drooping faucet. You just can't get her to quit. And you know what? I'm going to tell you straight up, I don't know nothing about that. I don't know nothing about that. I do know about indecisiveness. I think that's a woman thing. I do know about indecisiveness. But yeah, except for when we're going to go out to eat. That's a universal problem. Uh, but as far as ministry, this woman, man, God, get, God bless me with a great, great woman. She, God's blessed this church with a wonderful, wonderful uh, first lady. And uh, I, am, I am grateful to God for her. Any other questions? Anybody? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, now, now that I'm like super old and everything, uh, <laughs> speaking, speaking from experience, um, that's what we did as, as our family was, you know, I, I worked, we felt like it, at the time it felt like it was out of necessity just because of the expense of having children and stuff like that. It's just, it made more sense. You know, well, we had two at the time, but we, 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 we've never only had just one kid, but, but you know. Um, That's right. Yeah. You guys started with two. So y'all don't even really count, but no. That was a joke. Just kidding. But um, what, what, I, what I ended up saying a lot, it was kind of a phrase that, that the Lord kind of coined in me anytime that um, we had, a, you know, we were worried about finances and everything like that uh, because it was just me working. And, and, and to be honest, like I was a little punk that had no job prospects when I was getting married and all that. So I wasn't always the smartest person, not that I am now either, but, um, you know, I wasn't necessarily where I should have been. Um, so it, it kind of, it kind of, taught me really quick to, to get into faith. And so whenever the, the, you know, fi finances and the needs and stuff started coming up, um, and I started to see a pattern of our needs being met just because we were faithful with our tithe. We we're always faithful with serving in the church. That was always like a, a top priority, um, 
because we wanted to see God move in our family. We wanted to be a testimony to people. And so um, what, what, what I would always end up saying is, well, I mean, uh, God's always ended up blessing us. So what's, what's going to change it this time? You know, every single instance that, that, that would come up, I would say that. And then it was like we didn't worry about it again because, you know, it just sort of ended up working itself out. So um, that's, I mean, and we've we've been together long. Our kids are, you know, our oldest are 16. So 16 years of those types of situations, uh, you know, really, really increases your faith. Oh, yeah. And uh, never did I say, you know, Tabitha, you're, you're going to need to get a job or we're not going to make it. You know, I never, I never said those words and I, you know, um, because I didn't feel like I, I had to, right. We had to, because, uh, whether, whether I knew it or not. Uh, and a lot of this was when, when was, when we were, you know, with y'all the first time, um, uh, I was kind of already trying to get into that mindset of, of supernatural increase and yes. stuff like that. So, um, yeah, he'll do it, you know, and then the fact that it's here in this church and, and, it, and it worked that way in our lives and we took it with us and, you know, and that's, I mean, it, it just continued, like I said, throughout the 16 years we've had children and everything and she works now, but, you know, that's because we have, you know, two babysitters. Right, yeah. You know, that's another blessing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why you need more kids, so you, yeah. you know, you could do stuff when you get old. Yeah. But, uh, but Yeah. Yeah, you don't have to pay. Yeah, you don't have to pay. They get a room and they get food. Yeah, and food, and room, board. All that's plenty. Services. <laughs> so, but that's so speaking from experience, and and the fact that I, I mean, I I know both of you. I, I'm I was nowhere near where these two are. You know, like as far as you know, in their jobs and everything. I right. had a, I had to start at the bottom and work my way up, which I know y'all probably have, but. I wasn't there before I started having kids. I was like, right. oh, I need to start earning money like now. Right, right, <laughs> right. Yeah. I got two kids coming. So, um, so given in that nine that was, months. Yeah, given that that was my position in a recession, mind you. Yes. You know, um, I would say y'all are probably going to be okay. Oh, just, yeah. Just, you know, because of who you are. And lot, there's a lot of foundation built there. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's good. Experience, it's, experience does teach you a lot. And, you know, any of these folks that have gone through some of this and had kids, you ought to talk. You know, that's what I, I'm going to tell you all something that I admire about. You know, there, there are people that have come and gone from our church. And Tabitha and Derek, they were here with us in a previous time. And they're back with us now. Here's what I have always admired about some of the people that have been a part of Winter's Church is that some people, and because some people are like, well, you know, uh, Tabitha and Derek were here before. Are they going to be required to do the same things? Everybody's, you know, they're going to have to serve for this long. Are we really looking out to make sure that they're well planted in this and that? And and um, and you you have to understand that some people that some people will go from a church, they'll leave out of a church, and they don't they they don't continue in their walk with the Lord. You know, Tabitha and Derek have continued. They grew up in church. They were in church there. They've been in church their whole lives, and they never left church. They never left church. Uh, if you don't leave church, you hadn't left God. Because first thing that happens when you leave the Lord, you bail on church. Now, you might be in between churches, you know, for a period of time. But that's what I admire about their lives is that they can, they, there was still a consistency in their life as they, you could tell they're still pursuing the Lord. And me as a pastor, when even though they went away from us for a while, and we hated to see them go. But when they went and, and they uh, ended up at another place, 
I was kind of, I was like, well, thank God, you know, because even, even if, you know, uh, they would stay with us, the most important thing is, is that they fulfill God's purpose, that they continue in the path that the Lord has for them. And that's what I've appreciated that about y'all. You know, when they, when they left us, they didn't go around telling people, ah, them dirty rats over there at Winters. Now they just kept serving Jesus. They just kept their focus on moving forward. That's, that's how things are supposed to be. You know, even if we end up getting hurt at a place, we're not supposed to be going back and telling people, oh, yeah, oh, I got hurt over there. Stay away. Oh, yeah. And trying to get people out of that church or whatever. But I, I appreciate that about you guys. And, and, uh, and that's, that's why you grow. You've grown and you continue to grow. As believers, we, we go through different seasons, different stages of, of our walk. Uh, what's important is that we continue to grow in our faith, that we continue to learn about the things of God and the ways of God and that we navigate the waters of the Spirit. And uh, that's, good, that's good advice, some good insight. Praise God. Um, anybody else? Are we done? Come on, baby. Praise Jesus for us. Um. <laughs> I, I just, the other, I, you know, now that Ziggy's been talking about this for a while, um, I've been on my job for, this is going to be 31 years. Oh, that's right. And um, <laughs> I know that I, actually, I could have retired in 2020, so it's been three years. Wow. And um, I've kind of stuck it out because <clears throat> based on your years of service and um, the amount of money that you make is what you get, you know, you're you get a percentage of what you do. Well, I got a good pay increase last year, and I'm like, oh, man, if I stay three years at least, then I'll get a good percentage. It's like $1,000 more a month. Um, and um, after we went live, you guys know I was working a lot of hours the last year and a half um, when we got that new system. And after we got the new system, our jobs um, what we did increased our, our I was, workload. I was, about to, I was about to retire her last year. It was rough. It was really retire. rough. Um, <laughs> but because of the way the system is set up now, now we have to do a lot more. And um, right after we went live, I went to my boss and I'm like, you know, I think that we need to look at giving everybody a pay increase in, in our group. And so I've been fighting for almost, almost a year. Um, to get pay increases and they finally gave us our pay increase this effective seven two and um they gave me ten thousand dollars more a year come on jesus so that now i'm That's like good. do i gotta stay another three years so <laughs> <laughs> um, but i'm weighing it out you know just trying to trying to determine what what the lord wants me to do because it's not um it's exciting to think about that but at the same time i'm not gonna you know let that be my uh, determination as to what I'm going to do. I really am trying to hear from the Lord. And, um, you know, when I look at my circumstance, working from home and not having to go into the office and I have good benefits and good pay, why wouldn't I want to stay? I can take off anytime I want. I mean, I've got over 600 hours of annual leave and why, why, you know, it's kind of stupid. <laughs> and then that's, you know I, I, mean? I think the same thing, Brandon. I'm like, come on, girl, what's wrong with you? 600 hours. Yeah. And they do some of that time. They just changed the law too, where now instead of getting paid out for 180 hours of annual leave, you can get paid out 640. So it's like an, it's almost like you want to stay longer just so you can get that. You know, for me, that's like, that's a, 
thousands of dollars for me to stay or to have that much annual leave built up. So it's really hard to, to determine. I'm trying to, my soul is really going, yeah. man, but you know, just pray for me that the, you know, that I hear from the Lord. Cause I really am still, even with that, um, I'm still trying to hear from, from God. I don't feel like right now it's, it's time, but I, I know that I'm getting closer. Oh, yeah. Awesome. I had forgot about that already. I forgot about it. Praise God. Supernaturally increase, Lord, in the name of Jesus for your people. You know, let's agree together. Uh, let's agree for us to, to uh, pass the test. Oh, yeah. Can I pray that over y'all? Let's, oh, yeah. let's agree that when the test comes, we're going to pass the test. Lord, I thank you that we are going to pass every test that comes along. In the name of Jesus, Lord, that even in the areas where we might uh, have experienced difficulty, Lord, as it's revealed, we're going to turn it around and we're going to live for you. We're going to love you. We're going to serve you. Hey, God, we're going, to, we're going to remain on the path, Lord, that you've called us to, that you've uh, anointed us for in the name of Jesus. And so, Lord, I thank you. God, I'm believing for every every wife and every mother in this church to be a stay-at-home mother in the name of Jesus. Every one of them. Lord, may, may the families of this house get such a great revelation that if that's what's in their heart, Lord, that immediately that's where their faith takes them and that's what they do in Jesus' name. Let it be a part of the culture and the environment of this house in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father, that you are working all things together for our good in Jesus' name because we love you. We're called according to your purpose. And, Lord, we thank you that we have ears to hear and eyes to see, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you are uh, with clarity showing us your way and helping us to develop our faith. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Everybody that believed it said amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Amen. Ted, you got a praise report? Tell it. I went to the doctor on Monday. Oh, that's right. Yes, I forgot about that. I went, I went to the doctor on Monday. They were going to check me to see about if they was going to have to do surgery on my two ribs that were broken. And the doctor looked at that. Does everybody, did you all know that his ribs were dislocated? Yeah. Not only did they crack them, did the, crack them they, but they were dislocated. Yeah. And so they're pulled off of the, they're in there floating around and popping. They're and popping giving back him, and forth. Like giving him uh, uh, a lot of issues. Yeah. And what they would pop forward and hurt my chest, and then they'd pop back and hurt my back. And so the doctor. And he'd holler real loud. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was doing some hollering. But, <laughs> but we, yeah, it's true. But so, so what happened was <laughs> the doctor, when I got over there, they had me go get my x-rays from the other place where I had them done. Uh, but then they, they told me when I got to see the doctor on Monday, they wanted to do x-rays again. Because it's been since April. And so, uh, so he comes in there and he says, well, there's been people that has broken all their ribs on one side, and we go in and do surgery and put uh, screws and pins or something to hold them together, I guess. And then he says, then they go and do something, and it busts all that loose, and all the screws and everything's floating around all inside their body. So he says, we looked at yours, one of them's connected already, and, and then the other one's working on it. And I've been believing the Lord for that, because I've Amen. been like, Lord, I don't want to have surgery. And I asked Nikki 
one day. I said, Nikki, have you ever seen anybody that broke the ribs in two that they connected back? And she said, yes. So I said, Lord, I'm, I'm, I was over here one day, and I had my hand lifted up, really crying out to God that the Lord would touch me and completely heal them. And so uh, the doctor said, they're not going to have to do surgery on me. Praise God. And that I'm going to I'm going to go back I think 4 to 6 weeks and he's going to look at me again. But the only issues that I'm having now is that, that they're still hurting but they're like this one right here is I get this burning right right now and I have you pastor pray for me cuz I keep getting this burning right here. That's your barbecue rib right there. <laughs> yeah. But the Lord the, and I'm able to get up now and walk around and I'm doing stuff I'm pushing on refrigerators, and I'm doing stuff outside and that I wasn't doing, but I give God the glory. They said I, that cartilage is growing. He can see the cartilage is growing in there. Barbecue. I mess with you. I mess with you. Yeah. <laughs> I cracked myself up, Sid. Well, I asked when this first happened, I asked. I was asking for barbecue ribs, and Brother Don, yeah. brother, brother Don and Lynn come out to our house and bring barbecue ribs. That's right. Ribs. <laughs> hey, let's stretch your hand toward Ted. Lord, we thank you that Ted is receiving a complete manifestation of healing in his body. Lord, what you've begun, you're going to finish. <laughs> Lord, we rebuke every bit of pain, every bit of trouble. And Lord, we call him well today in the name of Jesus. We declare healing, health, and wholeness in his body. Lord, while you're working on that, give him two brand new knees in the name of Jesus. I thank you for it, Father. I thank you for your work. I thank you for what you've done. Lord, I thank you working, you're working with Ted uh, to bring him to the place, Lord, where there's zero a sickness and infirmity in his body in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. All right, guys. I sure love y'all. I appreciate you. I know it was a little different today, but I'm glad I came today. Praise God. And uh, Andrew, I'll see y'all tomorrow. I'm going to come over here and shout, shout Annie down while she's talking to the kids. Praise the Lord.